New Year, new podcasts. If you love this show, you're bound to love many of our others. Check out our newest podcast, Adaptation Nation, for discussions of adaptations both beloved and new. Download SFF Yeah for happenings and recommendations in sci-fi and fantasy. Don't miss When in Romance for updates on all things kissing books or HeyYA for excellent conversations about young adult lit. We've got a show for everyone. Just go to bookriot.com slash listen for a full list of all of our podcasts, or simply type Book Riot in the search bar of your podcatcher of choice. It'll bring up the full stable. Your TBR and the podcast-shaped hole in your heart will be full. Happy listening. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 119, and we are recording on Thursday, January 27th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Nezra Javed, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Nezra. How are you? I am good, Katie. Uh, how are you doing? Well, I, considering that this is take two of this episode... <laughs> Oh, I'm doing okay. Um, so fingers crossed, no tech issues. Although by the time our lovely listeners are hearing this, there shouldn't be any tech issues, but you know. Yes, fingers crossed nevertheless. <laughs> yes, such is life. Oh, but how has your week been? We don't usually get to chat on a Thursday. Yeah. I don't usually get to chat with you midweek. <laughs> it's been, so my daughter was home from the daycare for the past 10 days and then she went back yesterday. So I have been the biggest slacker. I hope my people at work don't hear this. But I have been <laughs> the biggest slacker at work because it's just like everything seems everything seems like a new... Like I miss her terribly. That's another thing that I've realized. That having spent those 10 days, like after she's gone now, like all day I'm like, oh, we did this, we did that. But also like going to the restroom by myself. What a luxury. <laughs> like little hands not peeking from under the door, just like drinking my tea in peace, eating my cookies in peace without having to fight over a three, like fight with a three-year-old or them. I'm telling you. So <laughs> it's been a good week. It's been nice, steady, nothing too overwhelming. And then we have a trip planned to Lake Tahoe this weekend. So it's a good way to round out the week. I'm excited. How about oh. you? Well, I don't have anything uh, quite as exciting uh, planned for the weekend, but I also haven't had to deal with a toddler at all. So I imagine that that piece feels extra, just extra special <laughs> right now. So I'm very glad you get to enjoy that. Now, my probably my big plans for this weekend are going to be finally unpacking the Instant Pot we got for Christmas, figuring out oh. where we're going to store it and what recipes we're going to try in it. So... That's my big exciting plan. <laughs> Your life is about to change. See, that's what I've been hearing. And that's, I asked for the Instant Pot for Christmas and I'm really excited about it, but our kitchen is so tiny that finding the space to store it, even with getting rid of some of our other appliances or just generally making room, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. And both my husband and I just lately have not had the energy to tackle that challenge. So I'm trying to like <laughs> psych myself up this week and be like, okay, just unpack the Instapot and then you can start trying recipes and you can see what everyone's talking about. <laughs> 
yes, the doster's got to go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like a way that I found to store. So in our previous kitchen, the kitchen space was so tiny and I could not live without my air fryer. And I have a ginormous air fryer. It's not one of those cute petite ones, you know, which only fits like one chicken tender. No, it has, it's like the whole shebang. It's like 10 nuggets, 10 like big potato wedges in there. But a way that I found on like I, I idea I got from Pinterest was using a library card. So, you know, those rolling cards because like, mm-hmm. they're very petite and they just squeeze in next to any shelf space you have. And then they double down as book space. So, so then my husband was like, I don't like this. And I was like, we can't get rid of it. So I just roll it up to my room now. <gasps> and now it's just a library card. But I mean... I'm just throwing it out there that they're, you know, play around with it. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth the sacrificing of the counter space. It'll be worth it. Oh, I will. Yes, I will report back on how the kitchen organizing goes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so back to books. Yes. So have you been able to read anything the last, I don't know, since we last recorded? (laughs) (laughs) So I just recently finished. I have. Okay, I've got a bunch of books. Anyways, let's go. I finished Dead in Her Hands by Otessa Moshwe, which I discussed in the previous episode. It was fantastic. Everything that you expect an Otessa Moshwe to be. It was so trippy. And her books are somehow, they're trippy, but at the same time, you just finish the last page thinking about the futility of your existence. Like, What? You know, and it's it's just fantastic. You just you just sign up for it willingly every single time. Then I finished The Diviners by Liba Bray on audio, which is a book that had been on my TBR forever. I finally tackled it. It was absolutely fantastic on audio. And then in the previous episode, we were also talking about, was it the previous episode or the previous bef- episode before that, where we talked about the Sundown Motel? Oh, yeah. And I realized, like, I had read it in a bit of a haste. And I did not remember, like, I just wanted to relive that experience again. So I started listening to it in audio. It was a particularly beautiful day in San Francisco today. So I took, a, like, a 45-minute walk down the trail and started listening to it. Oh, and the audiobook is so good. So that's what I am currently listening to. It's the Sunday. I just started it today. I'm already, like, 20% in. And it's so much fun rereading it in audio it's just such a kirsten potter is one of the narrators and she is absolutely my favorite so yes it's been a good like it's been i'm excited to finish it this week oh my gosh and and i'm just so happy that you that you reminded me of the diviners by libba bray that was an audiobook that i listened to years ago and it was I mean a few years after it came out but I remember listening to it on audio and just oh my gosh I just loved it so much it's just so atmospheric and with the the setting in 1920s New York with supernatural stuff and but also miss murder mystery oh oh so good I'm gonna so good. I'm gonna have to reread that at some point yes it's it's six like 600 pages I think 18 hours of audio and it just lies by like such a well done like I after a long time I feel excited to pick up a sequel of a book so there you have it (laughs) yeah for me on audio I have been listening to House of Gucci by Sarah Gay Forden which is the book that the movie that just came out in theaters last or in November and then should be coming out on 
streaming and DVD in the next month or so. Not that I have been counting down the days at all, but I figured this would be a good time to read slash listen to the book. And I will say that even though it, it is played up as kind of a true crime title, the focus is very, very much on the business of the Gucci empire and the Gucci family and A, the business strategy and how it developed, but also the behind the scenes, like infighting with the family and the backstabbing and all of that stuff. So that to me is also is also interesting. But if you are expect going into it expecting like this is a true crime book, your your expectations are probably going to let you down a little bit. So just, I think it's good to go in knowing that. The other thing too is that the narrator for the audiobook, oh my gosh, he could narrate the phone book and I would probably listen to it. He has such an even, he's got a really good voice for narrating nonfiction. Like it's very even keeled, but it's not robotic, but it's not overly emotive. And because there are so many Italian words and Italian phrases in there, they just roll off his tongue so beautifully. And I am just loving listening to it. And honestly, I think if I were to read it in print, I probably wouldn't be enjoying it as much. So this is one where I would definitely pick up the audio. And I'm about a, a third of the way in. It's it's a long one. It's like 15 hours, maybe 14, 15 hours. But yeah, it's one of those where I really in, look forward to, you know, turning on my my phone when I get in the car and listening to it on my commutes. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, House of Gucci by Sarah Gay Forden. And I'm hoping that I will be able to finish it before I watch the movie. But I will be honest, like the whole time I'm, li- I'm listening to the book, I'm just picturing now just I'm like, OK, Lady Gaga, every time they, they mention Patrizia and I'm just like, OK, yeah, that's Lady Gaga. Like, you know, just rolling with it. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have an audiobook that I'm enjoying so much. I love it, especially on nonfiction. It's so hard to find engaging nonfiction on audio because if it's not engaging zoning out is like you zone out every two minutes. So I (laughs) I understand that struggle. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to keep that on my radar. Yes. And it is available on Hoopla for any of you who have public library cards that offer you access to Hoopla. So that's where I'm listening to it. Yes. (laughs) Love Hoopla. All right. So do you want to go ahead and give us our first sponsor and then we'll, we'll jump into this episode? Absolutely. This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored in part by Amazon Publishing. Number one New York Times bestselling master of suspense, Dean Koontz, is back with a new thriller that Booklist says is positively twitching with suspense. It's about a man born with a mystery and in pursuit of a strange past. Together with his fated traveling companions, they are on a road trip of self-discovery, only complicated by the FBI and the supernatural. Can they stay a step ahead, mile by frightening mile? Read Quicksilver by Dean Koontz today. Learn more at amazon.com slash quicksilver. We thank Amazon Publishing very much for sponsoring this show. All right. So if you are a new listener, welcome. We're delighted to have you with us. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. Again, we are so delighted that you continue to put us in your ear holes every two weeks. So like we said at the beginning of the show, we talk about mysteries and suspense and true crime and just everything that falls under that mysterious suspenseful umbrella, whether it's 
new subgenres or author read-alikes, or we talk about true crime or movie adaptations, you know, just, you know, just a little sampling of the things we've already talked about in this show. And if you've listened to the show before, you know, this is when we put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes, because these ideas really have helped us plan so many previous episodes and they help us get an idea of what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons in ways we may not have thought of. So if you have any ideas or recommendations, you can shoot us an email or reach out via social media. We're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes, so you don't have to worry about it now. We just put out the call at the beginning of the episode, get those creative juices flowing. And even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, we love hearing from our listeners. And if you enjoy this podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us and join in on this fabulous community that we've created. With that, the the news in the mystery and suspense world has been pretty light over the last month or so, but it's a new year. And the big news that has happened recently is that the Mystery Writers of America have announced the nominations for the 2022 Edgar Awards, which is always super exciting. This is like the the Oscars for mystery and suspense readers. And as always, the shortlists that they that they put out ahead of time are always, it's always an interesting mix of really of books that we've read and be like, oh my gosh, yes, that book is amazing. Books we've been meaning to read and books we have never heard of before. Like Nezra, what were you, what were your first reactions when you saw the nomination list? So some of my reaction was, what? I don't, like I work in this industry day in, day out, and I do not nearly know enough about all the books that have, like all the fantastic books that are out there. And even the ones that I didn't did know about, I had a bit of a panic moment where I was like, ah, I cannot read these fast enough. So those to me are exactly what like nominations for any kind of literary award should do is like create this moment of insane panic and also like enrich your TBR and your reading life. But for me, the one thing that did stand out was the fact that I was familiar with all the titles that were there in the best young adult category, which is something unique for me because I primarily read adult, but young adult is something that I have been dabbling in a lot last year. It's fantastic. The authors are so much more willing to, you know, you know, like you think when you're reading a book, you're like, no way the author is going to go there. And young adult authors go there and they do it with such like finesse and all of the nominations in the Best Young Adult category are so fantastic. The Forest of Stolen Girls, Firekeeper's Daughter, Ace of Spades, The Girls I've Been. Cannot talk enough about that one. When You Look Like Us, all of these are such fantastic books. Another thing to note is that these are like imprints of like bigger publishing houses. So these are very curated 
and like books that are put together with so much love and like and it shows in the when if you like experience these books when you read them and of course the other such other fantastic nominations like the best novel category i only knew two of them like i just knew razorblade tears and the venice sketchbook and then the other three i cannot pick them up fast enough like the best first novel was so fantastic Best paperback original, The Lighthouse Witches by C.J. Cook is actually a book that I have on my physical TBR for this weekend. I'm only going for one one day, you guys. I don't know why I have so many books on my TBR. The Shape of Darkness by Laura Purcell. Laura Purcell is an all-time favorite of mine. So I just, like, I'm, I haven't even gotten to, like, the nonfiction. Like, I haven't dived deep enough into, like, the best critical biographical part. Like, the juvenile television episode teleplay oh my goodness it's it's just fantastic and i just cannot wait what about you what were your thoughts <laughs> well I've, you pretty much covered most of it <laughs> um yeah my first reaction looking at a lot of these were going i haven't read anything this year <laughs> because there i i recognize some titles i was like okay yeah that's on my tbr that's on my tbr or i've just heard a lot about this particular title but there were a lot of books that and authors that I'm like, I've never heard of these before. And like you said, not only am I, you know, in the mystery and suspense world on a daily basis, I work in a library. I order the the adult fiction. And so when I see some of these lists, I'm going, ooh, I may have missed the boat on, on some of these books. So I'm, I use these as a collection development tool also. But yeah, and I was struck by the, as always, or at least with the last few years in the best novel category, there is, there's a huge range in terms of like the tone and the subgenre of titles represented. And even including titles that maybe that it's like, okay, yeah, they're mystery, but they, but they also seem like they're more on the literary end where it's, it's kind of in between. So yeah, there's, there's a huge range represented there. And yeah, like you like you said, I mean, you touched on a lot of it. I'm just going to be rehashing everything that you said. But yeah, there there's a lot of really interesting books, a lot that I, like I said, I, I have on my list and a lot that I am not aware of. So I'm going to have to do a, I'm going to have to do a deeper dive into this to see what I may have missed out on on the last year. And I think at some point we're going to have to do another episode like we did last year where we each read a bunch of books that were nominated right around the time when the Edgars are announced so that we that way we can have a little bit more awareness of, of the books that we're talking about or that they're talking about. I am 100% and I am already looking forward to that. I know. I'm already. I'm like, okay, I want to read that one. Okay, so if I start reading that now, dibs, dibs. <laughs> I call dibs. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have to do like virtual like rock paper scissors yes. for it, or like we're gonna have to like try and play Wordle against each other. All right, who's got the best score? Oh, you man. get to pick that one. <laughs> yes, yes. Stay tuned for that boxing match to happen. <laughs> uh, I think they are announced in April, right? Finally, or am I? Way off. It's April or May. It's sometime in the spring. Okay, so perfect. Yeah, that we've gives... got some time. We got some time to get our boxing gloves. Yeah, on. yeah, perfect. That gives us like I'm a such a slow reader. It's ridiculous. Like how? What am I doing here? Like what? What's going on? Anyways, um, next up. So this is like this is an, an exciting one. It was a good news week for like mystery and suspense. So if you are like me and just cannot get enough of Agatha Christie, her life, her works. Then there's another one coming to coming near you. So this is 
The Christie Affair by Nina de Gramont, which is released, which is coming out on February 1st. So this is a book that has not come out yet, has already been picked up by Miramax Davy as a limited series. Uh, and this book, The Christie Affair, is basically about, so when Agatha Christie's husband's affair went public or when it became more uh, popular knowledge, she disappeared for 11 days. And till this day, no one knows what happened to her in those 11 days. And she came back. She came back. But like it was like as if those 11 days didn't happen. And there's always been this element of mystery to her personality, to her life story, that what happened those 11 days that made her come back or like what went on, you know? And then this book touches upon that, but it's also it's, it's also told from the perspective of Agatha Christie's husband's uh, mistress. Uh, this, in the book, she's a fictional character, it's Nan Odia, and it's based uh, and it's based on the real life character Nancy Neal, who was the mistress of her husband. That's pretty much all the details that we have. It, it will Miramax will produce this with the Gotham Group and it the cast and all of the big things like the release date is still not out yet we will keep you posted as more details come as as soon as the book comes out but it is super exciting and something to watch out for so the christie affair by nina de gramont make sure to pick it up february 1st and in other adaptation news if you read jean hanf korolitz's most recent book the plot and thought it would make a really good adaptation well you are 100 correct it is going to be adapted as a limited series for hulu and the big news around that is that mahershala ali has been cast to star in the series which is also super exciting he's such an amazing actor if you haven't read the book or aren't totally familiar with it the basic premise is that it follows jake who is a struggling author and He's really looking for just about anything that will help him revive his career. So along comes this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And so Jake takes it by committing an act of literary theft that changes his life in so many ways. And now he realizes that someone knows his secret and is threatening him. And the question is just how far is Jake going to go to protect himself and his life and his career? So it's been described as, you know, it's psychological suspense. It's a cat and mouse type of story if you if that kind of trope rings your bells. And yeah, so we don't have much more information than that other than the casting of Mahershala Ali. But once we hear more information, like a release date, we will for sure let you know. But in the meantime, you can put this on your radar and you can also pick up the book if you want to read the book before the show comes out. And with that, let's go ahead and jump into our discussion, which is actually from a listener's suggestion. And so the topic at hand is women who kill. And as soon as I saw that, I went, oh, this will be good. We've talked about this topic in previous episodes, or we've kind of touched on it, about how the idea of like women killing is still such a kind of novel or a shocking concept to a lot of people. And so that's, it's still seen as kind of like, oh, there, you know, like it's a shift in the, in the typical mystery suspense storyline where the killers are often men. And yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different 
nuance to it. There's a lot of different ways that you can you can interpret it. Like when <laughs> Nezra, when you think of women who kill, what do you what comes to mind? What do you think of? <laughs> oh boy. You know, you, you know what I think of? Okay, let, let me be candid for a minute. So I read this story. I was very little. I don't know why. I don't know how the story got in my hand. But it was a short stories by Roald Hal. And it was, I don't know if you've read it, and I don't want to spoil it, but it's the story with the lamb leg. Have you heard of it? I think so. It's been a long time, but that okay. is, I, that's, ring, that's ringing some bells in my head. So, yes, I, I, I don't want to spoil it. It, it just involves a lamb leg. <laughs> yeah. And a wife and a husband and disillusionment with matrimony. But I don't know why. That's the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of <laughs> Lukeel. Um, so I think of like, yeah, like like you said, like it's, a, it's still such a novel idea that, you know, like a woman could get mad enough for her, like she could kill. And it's just, it's like, it's been, it's been interesting to see how it has evolved in so many facets. Like, right. It's so there are women who we do not in any way condone killing of any kind. I just want to throw that, that out there, but like it has emerged into so many facets, right? Like there's revenge killing, there's vigilante killing. So we're, we're Justice has failed women so many times that they decide to take matters into their own hand. There's like serial killing, amnesia killing, accidental killing. I I don't. I it's it's and it's been so interesting to see how how those dynamics play out so much differently. And a thing that I always note is how I mean I don't mean to say that anyone who kills is in any way innocent or whatever but also at the same time it's interesting to see how the institutions and society like lines up against women like at the speed at which they do that as opposed to the speed at which they do that for when as opposed to when a man kills so it's always very much like you know that institutions do what they're doing let innocent and proven guilty whereas if a woman does that regardless of where she stands or you know how many there are like a, how many proofs like the lack of proof there might be. It's always, you know, if a society decides she's guilty, then she is regardless of what is proven. So, I mean, this it's still an interesting dynamic to see unfold. And yeah, I'm excited. I think we're going to try and cover a different facet of it. So it's going to be a little bit different than, you know, serial killing. It's hopefully adding more nuance to it. So I'm excited. Yeah. And before I jump into my first pick, let me go ahead and do our second sponsor, which is the Dreamscapes audiobook version of The People Next Door by Carrie Beavis. And this is the latest chilling thriller from bestselling author Carrie Beavis. And it features Ellie, who moves into the English countryside where everything just seems perfect. But her house has a mysterious past and her new life is about to take a very dark turn. And if you are looking for a domestic psychological suspense thriller with a hint of horror thrown in there, this is definitely a book to take a look at. The audiobook is narrated by Shakira Shoot. And if you are interested to start listening to the people next door, you can visit dreamscapepublishing.com slash mystery and thriller. And we thank Dreamscape very much for sponsoring this episode. 
All right. Now, after all of that talk about nuance, Nezra, I do have to admit that my first my uh, <laughs> my first book does not have a ton of nuance. To well, it does have nuance, but not in in that way. First book is a straight up serial killer novel. <laughs> this book is Heartsick by Chelsea Kane, which I have talked about before on the show. And in fact, the listener who suggested this topic mentioned this was the book that they mentioned, and I was like, okay, I can't talk about women who kill and not talk about Heartsick by Chelsea Kane. So if you have not read it, let me give you a heads up ahead of time. This book is very, very, very dark. And it's this is a book that just kind of imprinted itself on my brain the first time I read it. And this is the first book in the Archie Sheridan and Gretchen Lowell series. So Archie Sheridan is a detective in Portland who spent 10 years tracking Gretchen Lowell, who was a serial killer who, you know, they, people were, were dying and they could not figure out who was behind it. Ultimately, Archie found himself talking with Gretchen Lowell and she kidnapped him and tortured him for 10 days. But instead of killing him like she did for the rest of her victims, she decided to let him go and turn herself in. And so now she's been locked away for the last several years. And she's she's been sentenced to be locked away for the rest of her life. And Archie is really struggling with the psychological trauma of his experience. He has addiction to painkillers. He has this very dark psychological attachment to her in a very Stockholm syndrome-like type of thing. And he continues to visit Gretchen in prison. Like This is not a healthy dynamic in the slightest. And so that's the backstory. And the story is told between the present day situation and Archie's backstory. So you you get these uh, intertwining storylines. So the main mystery problem at hand is that there is another killer who has been kidnapping teenage girls off of the streets. And Archie has been assigned to lead the task force investigating the murders. And he also ends up working with Susan, who is a young journalist who has been profiling him and the investigation, but their investigations just isn't going anywhere. And Archie knows that at some point he's going to have to go to Gretchen Lowell and get her insight and expertise, so to speak, on who may be killing or who may be kidnapping these girls. And he and he also knows that that, you know, if he goes to her with something that she's going to take even more from him. So if you think that this synopsis sounds like a take on the classic like Silence of the Lambs Hannibal Lecter story, you're 100 percent correct. When I read this book the first time, I was like, this is like if Hannibal Lecter were a woman. It is just as dark and gritty and messed up as the as Silence of the Lambs. And it has not only the grittiness and the the shocking murders happening, but the psychological manipulation going on between Gretchen and Archie. And it is it is so dark, but it is so well written. And it's not the type of book that I would that, that I would just hand out to anyone because of the subject matter. But if you like your books on the darker side and you have not read Heartsick yet, you definitely want to do that. And like I said, this is not perhaps the most nuanced picture of women killing, 
to start off our discussion, but it definitely fits. So again, that is Heartsick by Chelsea Kane. I love how you said the first time I read it, you know, implying that there's been more than one reading of this book. There is. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm on three. I think I read it twice in print and listened to it once in audio. That that doesn't worry me in the slightest. Uh, (laughs) Nor should it. (laughs) My, uh, hey, the heart wants what it wants. I'm listening to the Sundown Model for the second time, right? Like I am am someone who has to wake up at like 3 a.m. in the middle of the night just because, you know, just to check on my kiddo, get a glass of water. I should not be reading horror books, but here I stand reading horror books. Um, My first pick is equally, it's a lot. It's very heavy. All the trigger warnings out there. I don't know how I got through this. It's The Corpse Flower by Anne Met Hancock. It's like, I feel like Katie, you need to read it. But one of my friends did this on audio and they said that it was dark, (laughs) but worth it on audio. So... There are two friends that I'm now concerned about. But (laughs) basically, so this is a bit like, so it is Scandinavian noir. And it's like, and Scandinavian noir is characterized by, you know, it's dark. It's it's a lot grittier. It's the girl with the dragon tattoo meets sharp objects. And I think it's very accurate in the sense that sharp objects, because it's so dark, like, and the girl with the dragon tattoo because it's so readable. Like you cannot believe that you're reading something so dark and you can't stop. And it's just, ugh, it's just a lot. But anyway, so this is about a Danish journalist called Helois Kaldan, who starts getting letters from a woman named Anna Kiel. And the story behind Anna Kiel is that a few years ago, she killed a bus- wealthy businessman and left no room for doubt because right after she killed the businessman, she stood in front of the security camera, showed her face, showed herself covered in blood, and then disappeared. And then disappeared in the sense that no one was able to find her. There were detectives after her, journalists, reporters, everyone was trying to trace her, but no one could figure out where she had gone to until now, where, or at least it seems like it, that Anna Kiela is reaching out to uh, Hilary Skaldan and is you know, giving her information that only Anna Kiel could know. And Keldan, who is a journalist, it seems like a dream come true for her, uh, where, you know, she basically is getting this chance to do this exclusive expose and like basically a piece about this person who's disappeared, but she's already in trouble because of using disreputable resources for one of her pieces. And then the, on the other hand, we have our detective Eric Schaefer who comes into the story because the reporter who was on Anna Keel's case is found murdered. So it's sort of this couple of events that trigger like Anna Keel coming back, that bring Galdan to the front of the story, that bring Eric Schaefer to the story. And Schaefer knows that Galdan can help, you know, get the answers from Anna Keel, help locate her. But as Schaefer does his own research, he finds out that Galdan has ties to Kiel, Anna Kiel that could make Galdan a possible suspect. And it's so bonkers. It's so bonkers. It's so it's so much to take. But it's it's very, very dark. It's very dark. Very readable. Like you just want to find out how like just by telling the synopsis, it's so convoluted, and the plot, like the actual execution, is tw- twice that 
amount of like it's very well done it's very well balanced but it's like you know you have to invest your time and energy uh, i read this on ebook so i was able to you know quickly read through the gritty parts and they were they were not there were a lot of them but they were not as crucial as sometimes they are to you know to the plot itself or to the clues itself so it it was it was gritty but if you can stomach that kind of grit i highly highly recommend it and this was it ha- i feel like it has i mean it's hard to define nuance when it's like murder and you know killings and all of that but i feel like it's it touches on a lot of different things just motivations of char- like that people have that make them do the things they do like that make them put their lives in danger or not in danger that make them run away and uh, i think it's an interesting character study it serves as that as well i mean it doesn't you know offer any kind of redemption for any of them but it's it's certainly something it's like certainly an experience so that's the corpse flower by Anne met hancock Oh my gosh! I, yeah, I am bumping that to the like the top of my TBR. <laughs> it just it just has Katie written all over it. <laughs> I think you'll love it. All right. So my second pick, if you've been listened to our first two picks and go, oh my gosh, I want to. Can we break up the darkness a little bit? So my second pick is again is on the darker side, but it has some dark satirical humor in there. So if you're looking for something that will hopefully lighten or darken the mood, but throw some humor in there. My next pick is hashtag fashion victim by Amina Akhtar. And I will say I have not yet had a chance to read this book, although I've had a galley on my bookshelf since it came out a few years ago. So at some point I will pick it up and read it. I promise. But this book, just the description has this, this book has been recommended. If you are a fan of the book, my sister, the serial killer, which again, huge favorite here on red or dead. We love that book so much, but the kind of layered look at women who kill and the kind of dark humor and the slightly satirical look at it, but also like bringing in these other topics and stuff. It's been recommended as, as a, as a good read alike for that. So this book, if you couldn't tell from the title takes place in the world of fashion and Anya St. Clair is the main character. She is a fashion editor. She, you know, she is really poised to make a big splash in the fashion industry, and she has worked really hard to get where she is. Her career path is basically she just pushed aside, ran over anyone who got in her way, but she doesn't have everything yet. However, her coworker Sarah Taft, does appear to have everything. She just has glamour that just like oozes out of her pores. She's rich. She's stylish. She was born for this type of work. And Anya wants to be her friend, her best, her best and only friend, shall we say. But then Sarah becomes top competition for a promotion that Anya is also up for. And Anya's plan kind of takes a spot been. And in order to beat Sarah, you know, if you can't beat him, like if you take the phrase, if you can't beat him, join him. Anya kind of modifies that to if you have to beat them, become them. So yeah, so this has 
a lot. This has a lot of stuff going on. It's set in a very high stakes competitive industry that is ripe for parody and satire about women and beauty and competitiveness among women and ambition and all of that fun stuff. So if that sounds like it might be up your alley, if you're looking for some for a suspense novel with some, like I said, with some satire and a huge heaping spoonful of drama thrown in there, definitely pick up Hashtag Fashion Victim by Amina Akhtar. Love it. I have... This one and then her latest that's coming out, Kismet, on my TBR. And I am super excited to get to both of them. Also, I share the same last name as her. So my dad's, like my middle name is Javed and my last name is Akhtar. Like my family name is Akhtar, not my last name. So, I mean, that's cool. Anyways. (laughs) Special connection. Special connection, meant to be. All right, my next book is also a bit, okay, this is, it's dark. I will not take that away from it. But it's also, his, it's a it's historical mystery, and it's also not as dark as, you know. Uh, I mean, I would give other trigger warnings. There's definitely tons of drama here, but it's dark, but it's also, I th- I feel like it's a well-balanced book. It's not, it doesn't lean on too much on the darker side. It's well done. As well as, as, you know, as one can hope for a book about murder and death. The shebang. So this book is The Confessions of Fanny Langton by Sarah Collins. And this does, hallelujah, this does have the new ones that we're looking for. Um, <laughs> we got there. We got there eventually. <laughs> like I said, it's hard. It's hard to define nuance. Like, what does that even mean? But this book is basically about... It's told from the perspective of uh, Franny Langton, who is basically accused of committing the double murder of her employees, um, the renowned scientist George Benham and his eccentric wife, Marguerite. And like this is also a bit on the legal thriller side, as much as a novel set in, I, I believe it's the 18th century, 18th century England can be, uh, 18th century Georgian London can be a legal thriller is that it's very antiquated obviously notions of what it means of you know of court proceedings and people like lawyers and all of that but everyone's like everyone's attention is grabbed everyone's intrigued by how this came about what's gonna you know how this is like what's gonna happen uh and fanny fanny can't really claim her innocence in the sense that she does not recall what happened that night as in that she cannot recall how she woke up and found herself covered in her employer's blood. But she does tell her story. She starts telling her story of how, you know, she came to be where she is, how to came to be in the apprenticeship of the scientist, and just like how, what all has brought her there and just her story. And as she's telling that story, another set of truth starts to emerge as to what could have possibly happened and like that that adds a whole other layer of stakes and motivations and uh makes for a fantastic reading and it's and the question of like did franny actually do it or was it someone else uh i think adds an extra extra layer of suspense to the book so it's fantastic and you know you'll like it's worth it to read find the answer of did the woman kill in this one so 
that's the Confessions of Fanny Langton by Sarah Collins. Yeah, I that's another one I've had on my TBR for a really long time. So again, at some point I will be that's <laughs> my goal is to get back into the reading groove that I used to have a few years ago. But anyway, so yeah, so there are so many books that we could talk about. And again, like we said, there are so many different angles to this with the nuance, like women who are find themselves in impossible situations, women who have no conscience and just kill because they enjoy it. Like there's such a huge spectrum and there, I mean, there's a ton of different books that would fit this category. So if any of you listeners have any suggestions for books that fit that topic that you think would that you think we would like, please let us know because our TBRs are not at all long enough. And with that, let's go ahead and we'll do, jump into our new releases really quickly. So first off, let me just say that the beginning of the year is always a big a big time of year for new releases. But we've got a ton of mystery and suspense novels coming out. So we've only each picked one just because there, we had to really narrow it down. But there are a ton of books coming out over the next couple of weeks. So... Your, your our cups runneth over in term in terms of the mysterious riches. So the book that the new release that I picked is the New Girl by Jesse Q Sutanto, which comes out on February first. And if that name sounds familiar, she wrote Dial A for Aunties, which came out last year, and has been really well received. It's a humorous, cozy style mystery. Now, this book, however, is very much different in tone. It is a young adult psychological suspense novel. So she's got quite a range here. But this book follows Leah, who has never really fit in with any of her classmates. And she ends up winning a full ride to this prestigious academy called Draycott Academy. She's on a track scholarship, and she is determined to make it work, even though she has never felt more out of place. But on her first day there, she witnesses a girl being forcefully dragged away by campus security while her new schoolmates and teachers seem unfazed. Like this is totally normal, but it leaves Leah unsure of what exactly she's gotten herself into. So obviously it's not a stretch to say that there are secrets at Draycott and Leah starts uncovering some of these secrets. There's corruption with the teachers, a golden boy who isn't what he seems because you always have to have one of those characters in a story like this, a blackmailer who is determined to get her thrown out of school. And Leah is not sure if she can trust anyone, especially when the threats against her take a deadly turn. So this has like gothic academia written all over it. So if you're looking for a new book in that very specific subgenre to dive into, definitely put this one on your radar. And that is The New Girl by Jesse Q. Sutanto. And it comes out on February 1st. Dial A for Andes was bonkers. And this sounds equally bonkers, but in a different kind of way. And I love it. My pick is 
Notes on an Execution by Dania Kukovka. And this is out in the world uh, already by the time you hear this. So this one is about a serial killer, Ansel Packer, who is scheduled to die in 12 hours. He knows what he's done and now he awaits execution. The same chilling fate he has, you know, forced on his victims. But he doesn't want to die. He wants to be celebrated. He wants to be understood. And he's just, you know, hoping that it wouldn't end up like him. However, this is not like this is not a story he gets to tell through a kaleidoscope of women, a mother, a sister, and the detective who basically brings Ansel eventually to jail. The story is told, and then basically on what ha- what what brought about this, like how it led to this moment where he Ansel now awaits execution. So it's uh, like a breathtaking, it's a work of suspense, astonishing empathy. It's interrogating the system of justice. It's also reclaiming, like I like what got me about this book was, uh, I haven't read it yet, That's but I'm super, super excited. I already have it on hold. But what got me about this book was a reviewer had mentioned that it's basically this, not the serial killer telling his story, but the lives that make him, as well as lives that get impacted because of him telling the story. Not So sadly, not his victims get to tell the story, but also it's not him, but it's also like, you know, the detective that's on his tail or like the women that are in his life. How do they feel, you know, when they see this, like this family member of theirs inflicting this kind of damage on women? And it's, it's just, uh, it just sounds just the kind just the right kind of like questions and like the story that like it, it seems like it's gonna be a gut punch and i am ready for it so yeah that's notes on an execution by dania kukovka and it's already out in the world so go forth <laughs> and with that that is our show Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you so much to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Singh, for always making us sound great. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. Uh, if you want to send an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Nasra, on Twitter at Javed Nasra. That's J-A-V-E-D-N-U-S-R-A-H. And you can find me on Twitter at K-T underscore library lady. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.